Amen. We'll be turning to uh, Romans 2 in a moment. Uh, First, our confessional reading, the Smaller Forms and Prayers book, Under the Seats, page 205 in the Smaller Forms and Prayers, page 205. This is the beginning of part two of the catechism. Part one is misery. We are we are all in sin and misery. Part two is deliverance. We are delivered by Jesus Christ. And so uh, we'll be looking at uh, not all of Lord's Day 5, but we'll be looking at question and answer 12 and 13 this morning. Question answer 12 and 13. I'll read the question. Together, let us say the answers. We begin with question and answer 12. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both now and in eternity. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? God requires that His justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of this justice must be paid in full, either by ourselves or by another. Can we make this payment ourselves? Certainly not. Actually, we increase our debt every day. That's the confession we hold in common. Let's turn now to Romans chapter 2. Page uh, 1,195 in most of the uh, blue Bibles under the pews. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Romans chapter 2. We'll be reading and considering Romans 2, verses 1 to 11. Romans 2, beginning at verse 1. Let us hear the word of God. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. 
to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord endures forever. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 1, in the verses before our text here in chapter 2, is a critical chapter for understanding the sinfulness of sin, the downward spiral of a whole society as they would reject God. Sadly, it has been said, and it is true to see that Romans 1 verses 18 to 32 read like the headlines of of the news in our current day. There are surely those who have been given up or sinners have been given over to, think about the language of Romans 1 verse 24, their lusts. Romans 1 verse 26, dishonorable passions. Romans 1 verse 28, a debased mind. Debased, no foundation, no uh, place for truth. And, and so, again, this, this is the headlines of the news in our day. There is a continual rejection of God and a continual spiraling further and further away from the truth of his word and his law and his goodness and who he calls us to be. But there is something very important for us in Romans chapter 2. Because the temptation is, especially if maybe you're one who's grown up in church, the temptation is to read Romans 1, and Romans 1 uses the language of they, them. And to read Romans 1 and to say, look what they do. Look at all their problems. Look at those sinners. I have been preserved from dishonorable passions. I have grown up in the church. Everything's fine with me. It's they who have to worry about the judgment of God. And to this attitude, let us always remember the first words of Romans chapter 2. Therefore, you have no excuse. Oh, Romans 1 is a critical chapter. 
we we need to understand the description of a society spiraling further and further away from God. But Romans 2 verse 1 is a critical verse. We are all sinners before God. We are all justly under the wrath of God. We all need Jesus Christ for salvation. And so our theme this morning is to take that warning of our text. Our theme this morning is this. Do not presume upon the mercy of God. Now last week, last week, we saw the mercy of God from, from the very beginning. Immediately after man falls, the mercy of God starts coming in, in waves. And God's mercy comes again and again and again. God is gracious and merciful. But even though God's mercy is coming again and again and again, we, we need to respond to God's mercy. We cannot presume upon God's mercy. We cannot assume that just because of our upbringing or, or anything else or just because we think that we're not the they of Romans 1, that we do not need the mercy of God ourselves. We all need the mercy of God. And so our, our three points this morning are this. First, where judgment falls. And second, where wrath builds. And then third, where peace is granted. Well, Romans 1 verse 20 says, so they are without excuse. Romans 2 verse 1 says, therefore you have no excuse. Uh, the uh, apostle uh, then uh, goes on to speak about uh, those who, who judge and you're passing judgment upon others. Now, uh, there is... There are some well-known passages in the Bible that use language like this. So, for example, when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, judge not lest you be judged, we have something similar here, right? Do not be passing judgment on another. Uh, but just as when we read the whole chapter of and the whole Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus is not saying don't ever give any kind of judgment in any way. So here the apostle is not saying don't give any judgment in any way. In both the Sermon of the Mount from, from Jesus in Matthew 5 to 7 and in the words about not passing judgment here in Romans 2, the point is look at yourself first. Make sure you know where you stand first. And so specifically in Romans chapter 2, it is this. Before you read Romans 1 and say, they, they, they are under God's wrath, 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 know that you are under the wrath of God if you would ever stand upon your own strength and presume upon God's mercy. The Christian faith has no place for hypocrites. You cannot pretend to be saved by your own righteousness in the law, no matter where you grew up or what your place is in or outside of the church. It is only faith in Jesus Christ which makes the difference. 
Now, if we believe in Jesus Christ, if we have received grace through the promised Son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, then we are loved by God. We are under His grace. And so, for example, let's look back at the beginning of Romans 1 and who this letter is addressed to. Look, for example, at uh, at Romans uh, 1, verse 6, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And then hear these words of blessing to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is there is that grace and mercy and that's that's where the apostle begins his greeting in the letter. And then he gives that strong warning against they in Romans 1 verse 18 to 32. Uh, but now he is bringing it into the church. Now, I do want to say this, brothers and sisters. The warning of Romans 2 as strong of a warning against hypocrisy as it is, it is not meant to bury anyone in guilt. And there's even something that the Apostle Paul does in, in the Greek, which we can't do in the English, that, that brings that out. Uh, I've, I've, I've said before you know, that, that Greek is, is like, it's like the South. You have you and y'all, uh, right? So throughout the New Testament letters, almost always, when you see you, it's, it's addressed to you all. It's addressed to the whole church. Romans 2, verse 1 to 5 is a rare place where it's you singular. Which when you're writing a letter to a group of people and you use the you singular like that, in, in the Greek, it's a way of addressing a hypothetical situation. Okay. So in other words, the Apostle Paul who uses that language of grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 1 verse 7, he's not assuming that everyone is a hypocrite. And even the language he's using is saying, look, this is, this is not for you all. If you belong to Jesus Christ, grace and mercy and peace be to you. But if you are a member of the covenant community, if you are an outward Christian but living in hypocrisy, you must know that God's wrath is, is not just against, against they who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, Romans 1 verse 18. God's, God's wrath is over anyone who stands upon their own strength. God's wrath is upon anyone who thinks that they are not a sinner. This is, uh, this is made uh, especially plain who the Apostle Paul is addressing in Romans 2, verse 17. But if you, singular, it's again in the singular, if you, singular, call yourself, singular, a Jew, and rely on the law and boast in God, then you are the one being addressed. You cannot be sure in yourself. And then that continues on in, in the verses following. Rather than unpacking that all, uh, we just focus on 2 verse 17. If you are a Jew, if 
you are a member of the covenant community, now there's the transition. We're moving from the Old Testament Jew to the all Israel of, of Romans 11, which is the church. Okay, so we, we're, 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 we're past this. We can, we can fill this in with the language of the church. If you call yourself a Christian, but you rely upon the law, if you rely upon your own obedience, if you rely upon your own strength, that's, that's the hypothetical person being addressed. That is the hypocrite who must know that the mercy of God cannot be presumed upon. That the judgment of God stands over us all. If you stand and you say, everything is good with me, it's only they who are sinners, then God's wrath is upon you. We are all sinners. We all, as the Catechism summarizes it in question and answer 13, we all increase our debt every day. That's the language of a believer. A believer says, I increase my debt every day. I need Jesus Christ, not my own strength. And so, for this one who, even as part of the church, one who on the outside everything looks good, but they're depending upon themselves, uh, what happens? The very wrath of God is building on such a one. That's our second point, this verses 4 and 5. It's a, it's a warning which is not meant to bury us in guilt. The apostle is, is addressing it in you singular. He, he doesn't want to bury everyone in guilt. He acknowledges that not everyone is a hypocrite, but it is a warning we must hear. And if you are a hypocrite, you you have false security. You are, verse 4, presuming on the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Uh, there was a uh, there was a, a book uh, written by the the Jews about 50 years before the birth of Christ called the Wisdom of Solomon, and uh, this language was used. The the Jews knew that the patience of God was meant to lead us to repentance, but it but in the Wisdom of Solomon in in that apocryphal book, uh, which is not part of the very Word of God, that phrase was used in the chapters that addressed the Gentiles. The, the Gentiles, the, the people who are outside of us, the people who are outside of, of the church, they need the mercy of God to lead them to repentance. But we're all good already. The Apostle Paul is, is taking that error and he's saying, no, 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 no. We all need the mercy of God to drive us to repentance. We are all sinners who must confess our sins before God. It is not just the they of Romans 1. It is you who would call yourself a Christian and rely upon the law. So you have a false security if you're depending upon yourself, presuming that God's kindness is not meant to lead you to repentance. No, it is meant for all of us to repent. That's why, again, so we're going to go back, right, this week, do not presume upon God's mercy. Last week, God's mercy comes in waves. So now let's put these two things together. Here comes God's mercy. Here comes God's mercy again. He's calling you to yourself. 
Do not stand on the shores where God's mercy is crashing and say, well, I grew up in church. This isn't for me. I'm already good. Or do not stand outside of the church and say, uh, well, I can just suppress the truth and unrighteousness and all will be fine with me. No, we all need to do the same thing. We all need to stand before the mercy of God and say, Lord, save me. I am a sinner. Confession of sin is for all. Indeed, for the hypocrite, they not only have a false security, they have a stricter judgment. That's what verse 5 says. What is, what is it for the one who remains impenitent? For the, for the you, a Jew, relying on the law. For you, a Christian, relying upon your own, your own obedience in the law. What are you doing? You are storing up, verse 5, wrath for yourself, singular, on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Who receives greater judgment? The one who is outside of God's church, who is suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, or the one who is inside the church pretending that they don't need Christ's righteousness? The one who is in the church will receive stricter judgment. You're storing up wrath if you live in hypocrisy. Brothers and sisters, this is one of the reasons why we we give the invitation to the table. And and that invitation is is for it is for you all, it is for the church, it is for all who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also guard the temple. We also we also guard the table. We also fence the table. We ask at least those four specific questions that are that are in our bulletin and we say are you, we have questions beyond that. Are you confessing your sins? Why, why do we do that? Why, why would we ever fence the great blessings of the nourishment that we receive in the signs and seals of the Lord's Supper? It's because we, don't want, we do not want anyone to build wrath. We do not want anyone to build wrath against themselves. God's mercy is sure, but if you presume upon God's mercy, if you are not confessing your sins and trusting in Him, then you should not receive His signs and seals of salvation. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 and 28. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. The hypocrite has false security. The hypocrite is building up wrath and receives a stricter judgment. Respond to the mercy of God now. Rejoice in the mercy of God now. How how gracious is God to remind us that we all need Him. Each and every one of us. 
Do not stand upon your own strength, no matter who you are, how you grew up, or anything else. Plead upon God's mercy, and there is salvation for all who plead upon God's mercy. And so that's and that's our third point, where peace is granted. And I say verses 6 to 11, but in, in one sense, we've already uh, focused on verses 8 and 9, that there's uh, wrath and fury, that there's judgment for everyone, first for the Jew, first for the one in God's covenant community, the, the hypocrite receives the stricter judgment, and also for the Greek. But now, in, in many ways, we're focusing especially on verse 10. But the glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. To the Jew first... Yes, why? Because they hear the gospel first. Because if you're in the covenant community, that's where you first hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And you even, if you are, if you are born in Christ's community, you even receive the very sign of that before you even understand it when you receive the sign of, of baptism, which is a symbol of sins being washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. You receive it first. You have much and, and you may even be saved before you even know that you are saved. And also, the end of verse 10, for the Greek. All who plead upon the mercy of God, all who come to Jesus Christ are saved. All who trust in Him have eternal life. For God, verse 11, shows no partiality. There is no hypocrite inside the church who is saved. There is no repentant one who comes to God, whatever has been done in their life before that moment, who is not saved. There is no partiality with God. His mercy cannot be presumed upon by anyone. His mercy is for everyone who responds and comes to Him. Peace is granted in Jesus Christ. Now, this peace will be uh, demonstrated in, in grateful acts of righteousness. That's what verse 7 is about. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. Is it saying that that's the foundation of our salvation? No, that would contradict verse 17 and the whole point of chapter 3 which says that we are all sinners and the whole point of chapter 4 which says that we are all saved only by faith in Jesus Christ. But it, it is true that as those who are saved we must begin to live uh, for Christ. And so consider how the Apostle Paul uh, says it or how the Apostle Peter says it in 1 Peter 2 verse 24. So the, the focus is upon salvation in Jesus Christ. That's how the verse begins and ends. And in the middle, there's a reminder that it's going to change how we live. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He, that is Jesus Christ himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Our salvation is only in Jesus Christ, but that salvation has a purpose. And so it will be seen by those who have patience and, and well-doing and seek uh, for God's glory, and they'll receive eternal life. Verse 7, God does render to each one according to his works, even as 
Uh, the Apostle Paul spells it out this way in Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. How are you saved? You are saved by grace. You are saved by Jesus Christ. You do not save yourself. But then what does this lead to? For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When peace has been granted, measures of good works and obedience and, and well-doing will be present. And so, uh, this is what we can visibly see. This verse 6 and 7 is the reason why we can warn brothers and sisters whom we know to be living in sin and we can say do you not do you not remember that we cannot presume upon God's mercy you may have to have that that very difficult conversation with someone you know in your life that may very well happen maybe a brother or a sister or a dear friend you're the only person who knows that they're living in unrepentant sin because it's it's not always visible. What can you say? You can say, God's mercy is for us, but we cannot presume upon God's mercy. I do not see any gratitude to God in your life. All, all I see is, is, is this unrepentant sin. Will you respond to God's mercy? With God, there is no partiality. There is no free pass for anyone outside or inside the church, even as there is salvation for all who come to Him. The full counsel of God tells us there are special blessings for God's covenant people. Full counsel of God warns us that just being a member of God's covenant family, just being a member of God's church is not enough to save anyone. The full counsel of God makes it plain that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. The full counsel of God, even in, even in this, this same chapter, which gives this warning against you know, relying on the law and your own obedience in verse 17 also says He will render to each one according to His works. You, you must be seeking righteousness out of gratitude to God. The full counsel of God says that the mercy of God is overflowing and it comes again and again and again. Respond to the mercy of God and trust in Jesus Christ. The full counsel of God also tells us that no one can presume upon the mercy and patience of God. So as we work towards our conclusion, let us just take a moment to think about how unpopular this is today. The, the tendency is 
to say that because God's mercy is so great and overflowing, we just have to talk about how God's mercy overflows all over the place. And that there's not just salvation for everyone in the church, but there's salvation even for people outside of the church. And so that displays itself in all kinds of ways. Maybe maybe Muslims and Jews are also saved even when they deny Christ because they're the three faiths of Abraham. Or maybe anyone who just does enough of good works because God will render each one according to his works and you rip that out of context and maybe you say just anybody who's nice enough is saved. And, and, and these are uh, false theologies which are uh, dominating the landscape in our day as, as we would look out. So the attitude is you, you need to, because God's grace is, is, is so great and His mercy is so overflowing, therefore it must overflow beyond, beyond what we can even think. It might be overflowing in all kinds of ways. God's mercy is great and overflowing. And He calls all sinners to Himself and all who respond and trust in Jesus Christ will be saved. But the Bible also says do not presume upon the mercy of God. And so Scripture says not only that all those who have never even heard of God are still guilty because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness and God can be known because the truth is plain to be seen. His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world. Romans 1, verse 18 to 20. But it is not just they who suppress the truth who will receive God's wrath. It's also within the church any who would live in hypocrisy and presume upon the mercy of God. In short, the, the dominant message today is that because the mercy of God is overflowing, then it, then it must just be so huge that we can't even imagine where it goes. And God's Word says, God's mercy is great, but we cannot presume upon God's mercy. Salvation is not just for those in the church. It's, it's for those who are in the church who are not living in hypocrisy. This, brothers and sisters, is not narrow-minded. It is what Jesus called the narrow way. God's mercy is great. God's mercy cannot be presumed upon. There is no excuse. Romans 1.20 There is no excuse. Romans 2, verse 1 There is salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, our Lord, You have spoken to us so plainly about Your mercy. So may we not take Your mercy